0: Hey, good morning Life Church. I'm so glad to be with you today, and I'm really excited about our topic. I think we think of joy, and that's what we're going to be looking at today, as something that maybe someday we're going to get, or in heaven we're going to have it. Uh, We see it as kind of the maraschino cherry on top of an ice cream sundae. It's like nice, but it doesn't happen very often, and I'm not really expecting it. And that's exactly how we should not think about joy. Joy is the fuel you and I need to live a flourishing life. And this is a great topic for us today because the last month has been focused on mental health and a a great series on mental health. If you have not listened to that, please listen to that. This topic today is a bridge from that. This is completely related to those previous topics, but it's also an intro opportunity for the relationship series because joy has everything to do. With relationships. And I hope by the end of our time, you're going to see exactly uh, how that is and why it's so important. Uh, So today, uh, I want us to be thinking about joy and uh, what does that mean and why does it matter? Have you ever run out of gas? Have you? I see you there. Okay, Nate, hold your hand up. I see you. Uh, Probably, I don't know if it was. 12 years ago, 10, 12, 15 years ago, yes, I lose track of time. Yes, I need better memory care. But uh, uh, I was um, at church. I was uh, pastoring at Life Church Canton. We were doing multiple services at that point, and we were getting ready to go to camp. So I was finishing our last service uh, in the afternoon. It was a 12.30 service. I think we are getting out of there around 2.00. And we were driving to camp. So we were getting ready to go to Bear Lake Bible camp. I had teens who I was going were gonna be driving with me. And we were had a destination to go to camp. And camp is such a life-changing uh, impact and event for so many people in their lives. And I knew this goal was gonna be good. And so I piled people into the van. Uh, my tires were inflated. My engine was good. Everybody was comfortable in the van. And we took off down the road heading out of Canton, Michigan toward beautiful downtown, not really downtown, Jones, Michigan. And if you haven't, uh, you don't know where that is, that's OK. You're like 99.5% of the population. And you can look it up. Uh, two and a half hour drive we're putzing along everything's happening i'm exhausted but we're, we're going to camp it's going to be great and all of a sudden my car starts making noises and uh and it cuts out on me and i gotta pull over to the side of the road you know and uh in the middle of farmland i'm there with uh with some teens in the back of my car I, I remember nate davis was there so i'm sure he's going to help me clarify uh this story because I don't remember what how, how we fixed this problem, <laughs> I'm on the side of the road and I'm out of gas. And every good thing that I was hoping to happen for me and for those teens in that car was over. There was no for we we couldn't go there in that vehicle. We'd run out of gas. We were broken down, and we we weren't going to get to our goal without a significant change happening. We needed gas. How are we going to get that? You ever run out of gas? The truth is, I regularly talk to people who feel like they've got some health, they might have a job, but they don't have the fuel to deal with what life's bringing their way. They don't have the energy. They don't have the gas. They feel like they're broken down on the side of the road of life. I felt like that. Do you feel like that? Do you feel depleted? Do you feel like you lack energy? When's the last time you laughed? When's the last time you felt gladness and and joy and delight? A lot of relationships suffer because there is no joy in the relationship. People are together, they have a roof over their heads, they have food on their table, but the gas they need to love each other well and, and be truly connected in the way they long for and desire, they don't have the gas. Maybe that's you. Lots of people struggle with uh, depression and anxiety and and they don't know how to have the energy or fuel to walk a road or a path of healing or recovery or wellness. This is the reality of our world. We live in a broken world where darkness, depression, sadness, grief, they, they, they rule the day much of the time. And you say, yeah, Alex, tell me something I don't know. Well, what you may not understand or realize, even if you've been following Jesus for a long time, is this, God does not desire that for your life, Not just in the future, not just in heaven, not just when all things are made new, not when the kingdom comes in all its fullness, but he desires joy for your life today. He desires this. And why does he desire this? Because joy is the fuel every person needs to flourish. And God designed you to have joy and to flourish And joy is what fuels that flourishing in a person's life. He doesn't want you to live life on empty. So we're going to answer three questions today. Yeah, this is going to be kind of an overview of things, but we will have practical things at the end that we can do that will help us grow our joy. So the first question is this, what is joy? The second question is, why is joy so important? And the third question is, how can we grow our joy capacity or grow joy in our life and in our relationships? So let's look at what is joy. Joy, uh, let me just say this. You, You might think, well, joy is not that important. How important is eternal life? You say, oh, heaven, the kingdom, eternal life. Like these are the big ideas of scripture, right? There are more references to joy in scripture than eternal life. And you and I need to pay more attention to how central joy is to what God wants us to experience as his children and as his people, as a community. So what is joy? Joy means uh, delight. It means gladness, a calm uh, delight, uh, inner gladness. And you go, okay, those are all interesting words. It's related to this word called Cairo, which means rejoice, uh, that we have this sense of overflowing uh, gladness and, and, and well-being. And it's related to another word called charis, which is grace. And so what, it, what this word means together when you put these together is it's to rejoice because of God's grace. It's an uh, awareness of God's grace or favor through Jesus and our receiving of that and our reaction. At now, you probably started to zone out. You know why? Because I'm gonna give you one little side note, and this is an important tidbit though. Um, And I'm gonna give you a reference, uh, which is The Other Half of Church by Jim Wilder. uh, And it's a book about our whole brain and how God made us in our discipleship to experience all of his fullness. And one of the things that, that happened historically is this, even as I'm using these words, when the, um, the church was much more holistic through much of its uh, uh, time on this planet, but when the Reformation came, when the, when the Enlightenment came particularly, what happened is suddenly we understood, oh, there's all these things we can know. And science took on this central understanding of what is true and how do we determine things. And it's, and it's a beautiful gift. But what happened was this. Our right brain and left brain are meant to work together. Your right brain and my right brain have three key things that happen. One, it's this fast track of your brain. It's relational, it's emotional, and it forms identity. So all your relationships, your deep attachment or lack of attachment, that's through your right brain. Your emotions, and are you aware of your emotions, and do you feel your feelings? I talk to people, I'm one of these guys, I'm like the... um, basic color wheel of feelings, you know, I'm like, how do you feel? Good? Bad? I've had a le- I'm have had learning some of these things. But your emotions, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your body? And, and then what's your identity? All those things are right brain. And your right brain moves faster. It's actually the master part of your brain. Your left brain is where we make logic out of things. We solve problems. That's one of the key functions of the left brain. And um, it's uh, a slower... Uh, more um, word-based side of, uh, of our thinking. And so to, when we combine those things, we have this whole full expression. The problem is this. Our left brain is mostly how we've learned how to do church. And we actually are suspect, or, or any, everything I said with the right brain, your relationship with God. Do you sense his love or his His pleasure in you? Do you have, what are your feelings? What's your identity? All those are like, I don't even know what you're talking about there because we've removed that part. So even as I started to explain joy, you were like, okay, grace, rejoice, receiving God's grace. Here's what you need to know. Joy is predominantly a relationship term. And so... uh, that's why that definition feels nebulous, because our left brain, uh, our enlightenment, what we did with scripture as we did this, and, and you're going to see this as we go through our, our time today. We took words that had a certain visceral uh, physicality to them, a way we felt them in our body, and we made them into left brain conceptual words. So if I say to you, joy is rejoicing in God's grace, you're like, okay. Uh, but if I say this, Joy is a relational word, and joy is what you feel when you see and make eye contact with someone who's genuinely happy to be with you. That's the physical thing, our face and our eyes. That's part of joy, because joy is a relational term, and we experience joy in relationship with other people who are glad to be with us. And so that that loving relationship, our attachment where when we have some attachment to somebody and they're glad to be with us, that builds our joy and joy amplifies as we're in a relationship with other people. For example, you might say, well, what's the difference between happiness, euphoria and joy? Well, uh, I can be happy that I have a chocolate bar and mm, I can taste it and it's like, "Mm, that's tasty. It's happy. But I, I smile at a chocolate bar. It doesn't smile back at me. There's no amplification of that. It's just something I might enjoy. Whereas if I see my wife or one of my grandchildren, I see Sophie, sweet Sophie, and I go, hi, Sophie. And Sophie smiles at me. Right at that moment, we're, we're passing joy back and forth to each other because we love each other and we're glad to be with each other. And our brain and our, 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 our whole being is recording that. So joy is in its pure form does not exist just outside of a relationship. And it is that feeling you have when you see someone's face light up, their eyes, they're glad to be with you, and you feel that. Now, why is joy so important? It is laced throughout Scripture. Jesus, Joy is important because it is Jesus' goal for your life. It's not a side thing. Jesus said, my goal is that you have this thing. And so look at what it says in John 15. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures and you're going to go, I never paid attention to that. Or I, never, I just skipped over it because it didn't make sense to me. As the Father has loved me. Okay, love relationship. The Father's love loved me. We're attached. We have security and safety with one another. So have I loved you. Jesus says, I feel that same loving attachment to you. I'm happy to be with you, and I'm sticking it out with you. Now remain in my love, Jesus says. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that, what is it? My joy may be in you. My joy may be in you. And your joy be perfect, be whole, be complete. Jesus said, this is his goal for you and I. And it, But no, I want us to pay attention as we see joy, we see, the, we see attachment. So I want to change the words. Jesus is saying, the, my father's so happy to be with me and he's never going to leave me or forsake me. And that love we have, we I have so much joy in that. And that, that's how I feel about you. I'm so happy to be with you. And Jesus has said, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. So this loving attachment. And he said, and when I look at you, I feel so much happiness and joy. And I want you to feel that happiness as you look back to me. That joy. And Jesus is saying, this is my goal. Okay, Jesus says in another place, in John, he says, I am coming to you now. Referring to his father. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have what? The full measure, the whole experience of my joy inside them, within them. Is that your Christian experience? And if it's not, that's okay. But we're going to learn how do we live with Jesus and one another so that the joy he wants us to have is what we experience. You say, well, okay, I understand that. What are we longing for? The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's God's rule and reign over the whole world, over our lives. It's wrongs made right. It's God's goodness and beauty being released in the world through us, this flourishing and in our world. Right? We long for the kingdom of God. Well, what does Paul say? I, I, we looked at that scripture earlier. This is what he says. Hey, this is what the kingdom of God is. It's not about eating and drinking. Those are nice things. He said, "But the kingdom of God is of a righteous. It's about righteousness that we have the right relationship with God and each other, and peace that we have peace. We know how to make peace with each other because we love each other well, and we know how to make peace and joy in the Holy Spirit." Paul says, "This is what the kingdom of God's about." So, a kingdom-filled life is a joy-filled life. Keep going. A spirit-filled life. We go. Well, I, I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Again, we read in Scripture, what's the fruit of the Spirit? You say, oh, well, if the Holy Spirit's in my life, these are the things that that grow from that reality of the Spirit in my life. Love. Okay, attachment, that we have this uh, ongoing, um, secure attachment to one another. If you read any psychology right now, this is an exciting time for Christians uh, to be in science and psychology because this is all neuroscience research. We're going to look at that in a minute. But they're discovering all these things about love, which is attachment style, and joy. And, all, and some of this is flowing out of scientific discoveries that match what Scripture says. So what's, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, joy. If you and I have the Spirit, joy should be growing in our life. It's a fruit. Uh, Nehemiah says, The joy of the Lord. What does that mean, the joy of the Lord? It means I have this relationship with the Lord, that we're connected, that I sense his presence with me, that I feel his love for me. And that joy that I have when, when, I, when I see God's face or in my, in, my, in my heart, you know, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, uh, that joy I feel with God's presence gives me strength. And here's the deal. So let's go back to my example of the, the campers in the car, right? We go, well, joyful people don't have as many problems as I do. Actually, or joyful couples don't have as many problems as we do. That's actually not true. Uh, John Gottman uh, and his uh, wife in, in this research they've done for over 30 years have said couples that actually are happy don't have fewer problems. They have more joy. So think about the car. Think about my van, right? So let's say I've got a, a van and it's got five uh, teenagers in it and there's another van over here with five teenagers in it and you're like, okay, well I can't my van won't move because I have too much weight that let's say the teens are my that's the, this weight or you know but the other van has a full tank of gas. It has it's carrying the same quote unquote load but it's moving forward because it has gas. it has joy it has fuel. So resilience, People. Um, what joy does is it produces resilience. When we lose our joy, we run out of gas and we, and we kind of crash on the side of the road. We want to quit. People who are resilient don't have fewer problems. They have more joy. They have more fuel. And let me just say this. Joy is, called, some people term it a supra-emotion. Okay, a supra emotion. And what that means is it can exist over and above and around other emotions. So you're like, well, I don't like that toxic positivity where people act like everything's okay all the time. That's not what joy is. Joy is this sense of well being and connection with God and with other people, regardless of what's going on. So, for example, um, My friend, I was with my friend this last week, Pat, and Pat lost his mother. And Pat's a close friend of mine. And uh, I felt so bad for him because it happened suddenly. And she was in care a long time, but it kind of was unexpected when she passed. And I was sitting with him, and uh, he's grieving, he's suffering, he's feeling the loss. But I had joy with him. I was glad to be with him in his loss. Are you tracking with me? He was glad that I was with him to sit with him in his loss. And so there was a joy there, even in the midst of grief and suffering. And we see this in the scripture over and over again. I'm not going to, I'm going to throw out some references. You can write them down. But Jesus says in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him, he suffered. He endured the cross. That suffering and joy were connected there in Jesus' soul. Um, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, he said, Hey, I know you're going through trials and suffering, but we have this inexpressible and glorious joy in the midst of this fire of suffering that we're experiencing. And so on and so forth. Paul does says the same thing. And I won't, I won't go into that now, but you should, I want you to hear this. Why is joy important? It's God's goal that you and I cultivate joy in our lives. And we're often in communities and situations where, we, where that doesn't happen. Let me t- So why is it important? Because of s- brain science. So brain science and joy say this. And the interesting thing is the guy who's known as one of the Einsteins of neuroscience, Dr. Alan Shore, he was at UCLA. As far as I know, he's not a believer, but he was trying to help people understand that joy is the fuel your brain runs on. It's f- like it's fuel. Your brain needs it. And, um, And it nourishes your brain. And he said, let me explain joy in layman's terms. He says, joy is what you feel when you see the sparkle in someone's eye that communicates, I'm happy to be with you. Eyes, face, shining face. He's going, this is what joy is. This is what your soul runs on. And you say, I don't understand that. Okay, well, I have a lot of grandbabies around right now. And and I just saw my grandson, Will. And he is three months old. And uh, he's had some health issues. He was at our house yesterday. And you know what babies do? You know, So joy is the cardio workout every baby engages in. And that joy, what it does is it helps them grow all their brain circuitry, which is why uh, when you see research on um, orphanages where kids aren't touched or cared for or cuddled, there's developmental issues there, because they don't have the joy fuel that's helping them grow themselves to develop fully as a baby. Now, can you fix that? You can, and we'll talk about that. There's, there's some realities that can still happen. But in infancy, <clears throat> this really happens. So what does a baby do? Babies, six times a minute, will look at you and look you in the eye and coo and, and smile. And you go, hi, Will. Hi, baby. And Will's looking, and he smiles back, right? And he smiles, and he's looking in my eyes for a couple seconds. And his brain goes, shoop, fills up, and he looks away. And then he looks back, and he goes, and he goes, Whoop! and he looks, and, he's, and his brain fills up, Shoop! and he turns away. And it's really like a cardio workout, Like, and, and our brain slowly grows in this capacity to hold joy. And babies basically are doing this their whole young life, and uh, when they're properly uh, cared for. And so that's what we're seeing here is this never goes away. Joy is a relational term where we're experiencing love and affirmation and delight in us. And, um, and, and that's what happens. Jim Wilder, another uh, neuroscientist who's done a lot of work with uh, counseling and trauma victims, said this, God designed our brains to run on joy like a car runs on fuel. Our brains desire joy more than any other thing. So Jim says all our development happens because of joy. And when we don't have enough joy, bad things happen. And and, and we have these other experiences that uh, or We need joy to flourish, and we'll come back to what happens when we don't have that. And lastly, let me say this, joy in the face of God. So I mentioned the Enlightenment, and one of the things that the church did is we started changing our language from right brain language, our visceral feeling, to left brain language. And so there's scriptures, and they're good scriptures, but they're actually inaccurate to what they literally mean, because uh, you can argue why that happened. But I think the church wanted to be seen as valid in the eyes of the scientific and growing uh, uh, academic communities and intelligentsia. And so they took words that were visceral and turned them into things that were conceptual. So if I say, yeah, grace of God, you're like, okay. But if I say, God's smiling on you, he loves you, you're like his favorite, and he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's going to be with you always. He's so attached to you. That feels differently, doesn't it? His face is smiling or shining on you. That that feels different than you rejoice in receiving the grace of God, my friend. You're like, okay, I'm, I tuned out right after blah, blah, blah. Um, and so let me give you a couple of scriptures here that explain this. So, Back to why joy is related to relationship and face. So one of my favorite scriptures uh, when I started following Christ was, in your presence is fullness of joy. I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, that's awesome. But you know, that actually is not accurate. What What the literal Hebrew says is, in your face is fullness of joy. When I experience your face... I feel joy. I have fullness of joy. That's a very different thing. When I experience your smile on my life, I experience joy. That's very different than in your presence, which is more cerebral and, uh, versus when I see your face light up because you see me, I feel so much joy. Doesn't that feel different? You think about that with someone you love. They're like, well, I like being around you. and As opposed to when I look in your eyes and I see, I just love being with you. I'm just so glad I get to be with you. I want you to look at another thing. Number six, and I'd encourage you to look this up later. But Moses is helping the people understand. He's telling the priests. He says, "What does the Lord want us to say to people? What's the blessing God wants us to give people?" And we all, you maybe have heard this. Some of you are very familiar with it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's superabundance of His favor and love and His happiness be over you and keep you he's not going to let you go now look at this next line the lord make his face shine on you he's so happy to be with you and be gracious to you his favor for you is doesn't end the lord turn his face we say lift up his countenance upon you that's lord literally turn his face toward you his smile his eyes he's looking at you and give you his peace God said, this is the blessing I want you to give one another. And it's very different when we use the literal sense of God's face instead of like the more conceptual terms that often can kind of mute that in our lives. And again, I think what I want you to walk away with is joy is central. Like again, I mentioned joy being the maraschino cherry on top of the Sunday, and sometimes we'll get it, but that'll happen maybe once or twice in my life. And hopefully when I'm with Jesus, I'll have it all the time. Scripture says this, Jesus says, joy is the center. It's a key ingredient to your Christian life. And, it need, and I, I want it to be in the middle, in the soul of everything you are and do. Love, joy, peace. And um, it's God's will and God's design for you. And the church is called to be a community of joy and peace. And when we understand it's relational, then we go, well, how do we grow joy in our community? Because it's a key ingredient in the soil of a a healthy Christian community. Love and joy and peace are central ingredients of good Christian community. So you and I, we can't flourish in our lives without uh, relationships with God and others that have joy. We were built for those things. So what do we do instead? And this is what we have to be aware of, the low joy life. And the truth is, we were made to seek joy in loving relationships. But a lot of us, when we can't, when we don't have those... And when we can't find and cultivate the real thing, we go for the counterfeit. We go for the 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 uh, replacement that's not a real replacement. And uh, neuroscientists call these things pseudo-joys. And so it's a normal thing that may be a good gift, but we abuse it, like food. So I go to food, right, because Maybe I feel some comfort and it removes my pain. Or social media is one of the great pseudo joys of our time. And we know it's leading to higher anxiety, higher depression. But we look at social media and we get our dopamine hit. Oh, oh, maybe I'll just scroll one more. Oh, oh, look that, look at the cat doing that weird thing on top of the balloon or whatever it is, right? Silly stuff, right? And you're like, oh, but I like, or shopping or screens or, our uh, streaming Netflix or whatever, and then so and all those can be fine. But what we do is we overuse those things to compensate for a low joy life, right? So we binge watch, or we overeat, or we are on our screens for all kinds of time, um, and alcohol or drugs or porn or misuse of sex, those are all things that we can turn to as well and you go yeah but they create a little hit of euphoria they remove the pain of my trauma and that's part of the deal is joy is meant to be the the uh energy and positivity that fuels our healing not these other things don't do that what they actually do is they give us a little hit but they take us down a road where our joy goes lower and lower and lower it's why we can do these things and eventually end up in depression Uh, thinking suicidal thoughts in dark places and go, how did, you know, I tried this thing, but it didn't work. It actually took me in the opposite direction I wanted to go. And you say, well, why is that? Well, we we mentioned joy is relational. Almost none of those things are relational. It's us alone with a screen. So when I look at a screen and I go, Hey, I smile and the screen doesn't smile back. I'm not, it's not my real life. It's not a real relationship. And, um, and so if I smile at my Netflix, it's not going to smile back at me. And, uh, <clears throat> and I might get the dopamine hit, but it's not going to grow joy in my life. And of course, the same goes for drugs or alcohol. And the question we have to ask is, what are we medicating with this substitute? What, and what's missing? And it's not about feeling guilty or, yeah, I'm a loser. We all have done this stuff. We do this stuff. We have to see it now, maybe we weren't paying attention to it, and say it, and then go, oh, what's the path toward authentic flourishing and love and joy that God has for me to walk? So last couple of minutes, I want to just give you a couple of things to get started. How can you and I grow our joy capacity in our life and in our relationships? And there's a famous refrain in the Old Testament. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And the truth is, we can't always directly produce joy. Joy is a fruit or a byproduct of a life uh, where we're loving other people and loving God. And when we love God well and we love other people well, part of that is gratitude. We're grateful for the things God has given us. And so, the, one of the uh, main ways to start growing joy is through gratitude practices. And um, And again, joy is like a muscle, so the more we exercise it, the more it grows. So when we have trauma or difficult experiences, people who have high joy have the strength actually to go through a trauma that someone else who has low joy might, it it becomes something that breaks them. And again, we can be on either side of that. Um, So gratitude is a key practice, according to scripture, about growing joy. As one neuroscientist said, gratitude is the on-ramp to joy. So here's a couple practices and the first one's gratitude memories. And the reason this matters is because you're meant to experience your feelings. Let's go back to the right brain. And I tried not to over uh, explain that, but your real feelings you feel in your body. So let's go back to what I said about the, the enlightenment. When I say gladness, do you know what that literally means in scripture leap for joy? It's a literal turn of leap of leaping, right? So when, uh Mary goes to see her cousin, and, and, and she, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, The baby leapt for joy. That is actually the definition of gladness. It's a physical term, okay? Um, or compassion. We say, Oh, yeah, I have compassion for them. Compassion literally means a gut wrenching stomach ache. See, those are we, our feelings take resonance in our body. There's a book called The Body Keeps Score and it talks about that we think feelings are separate, they're irrelevant. Your body absorbs every one of those feelings, and joy may be like this warmth in your heart or this kind of feeling in your chest. I want to encourage you to pay attention to your body in a way maybe you haven't, because part of, again, the enlightenment, um, all the good things that came from the enlightenment, but some of the negative things is they taught us to think of our bodies as uh, brains on a stick. And the truth is that's so bad. You're made to be a, this integrated whole, and your body is telling you things. When you have a stomach ache, when you feel anxiety, you go, oh, you know what? I feel anxious, and I can feel it in my neck. I feel like I'm tensing up, right? But we often don't pay attention to those things. They're telling us things. Our body's telling us things. So with gratitude, I want you to think about a time you felt so grateful for something and you felt it in your body. You felt this warmth. So I was—I had this time. I was on a boat this summer with my brother-in-law, Keith. And we were having a good time catching up. And we turned a corner in the boat. And we looked at Lake Michigan. And all of a sudden, you could see all the beautiful blues and greens in the water. It was like it was like the Caribbean, right? And, and the sun was shining down. And he and I were just going, isn't this awesome to be here? What a gift it is to be on Lake Michigan right now at this time. And so I named that. Memory, uh, Lake Michigan with Keith. And I think about that. Uh, another time, uh, another memory I have is uh, uh, Boaz is one of my grandkids, and he loves going out to feed the deer. He's big enough to do that. Sophie is right now coming to that place where she's going to help feed the deer because she's running around and able to run around outside more. Um, but he looks at me and goes, "Deer." Deer, Grandpa grabs my finger. Deer, deer. You <laughs> go. You want to go feed the deer? He goes, yeah. And so we go get some. And if you're, if I'm doing something wrong, I don't care. Okay. So we go get some crack corn and we go put it out on the edge of our woods. And Boaz throws the the, the crack corn. He spreads it with his hand. He looks up to me. He said, and he looks and goes, feed deer, Grandpa. And uh, that's a joy memory for me. And you go, okay, I got that. I'm feeling that. And so I want you to do that, and and I know where I feel that in my body. I feel this like warmth in my chest, like this deep, deep sense of uh, happiness, and it's in my in my chest. You might feel it differently, you know. Other people feel things differently, but I'm telling you this because I never pay attention to my body. Okay, no pain, no gain. I just ignore things. I was taught that, and I so I'm I'm very uh, immature in terms of recognizing my feelings in my body, but. Uh, where do you feel that in your body? And then uh, here's a question. What might God be communicating to you through that memory? So when I think of uh, Boaz and his delight with the deer, I think God loves my delight in the simple things. And he's with me and he's smiling when I do something that brings me joy. And it, I sense God's sense of pleasure. And hey, I'm with you. And I want you to know this moment. I'm enjoying this moment as much as you are, maybe more. And uh, I'm smiling on your life, and so what I want you to take is start to create a list of those gratitude memories that you feel in your body, and I want to. This is how you grow joy. You take five minutes, and you don't try to say those things, but you remember them in your in your head. Again, right brain is what you're doing. It's fine if you say them too. Um, and you kind of f- feel that memory, you're reliving that memory in your body and do that for five minutes a day of, of just meditating on gratitude uh, you have for those memories for, and for what God has given you in those memories. That will start to build joy in your life. I'm going to jump over the next one, which is gratitude journaling. And this is simply where you reflect on the previous day and you're starting to write down the things you're grateful to God for. And you just do that as part of an exercise, a workout that creates joy. Lastly, I want to give you this because we talk about relationships. And this can pertain to couples or groups. But Marcy and I have started doing this. And this is appreciation. So at the end of the day or the beginning of the next one, think of three specific things you appreciate about your spouse, or your partner, or your friend. And, uh, and think about those things and then sit down with them, look them in the eye and tell them, I appreciate so much. So I was working through a, a problem and um, Marcy and I were talking about it. And uh, so this morning I said, honey, I, I just appreciate that you really heard me when I was talking through this problem and, um, uh, and heard just my, my confusion about some things. And you ask good questions. And I just appreciate how much I felt heard by you. And uh, I felt like I was alone with this problem. And I feel like when I got to share that with you, I'm, I wasn't alone anymore. And that was one of my appreciations for her, right? And so I share three. She shares three with me. And then we go back and say, what are three things you appreciate about God from yesterday? And then I do that. Just that one activity as a couple, and then to pray for each other, how powerful is that? And uh, I want to encourage you to do this. This is not hard, but it is intentional. You sit together, you stop, you be fully present, you look them in the eye, and you listen well. And um, I want you to imagine that. Do that for one week, and I want you to imagine what your life would be like. If you just did two of those things, you did your gratitude memories and you're you're starting your day and there's all this sense of gratitude, and you're doing that with your spouse again, if we're thinking about relationships or a friend or your small group, and all those appreciations that got shared, I want you to think about what your day would be like. I want you to think about what your week would be like. Let me give you an example. Imagine if you're a 14-year-old who's generally pretty uh, down and lethargic, Uh, You're doing this with your family at dinner at night, and your 14-year-old gets up the next day and says, You know, I just want you to know, Mom, I I, I realize I'm not grateful for things you do. And you bought all the food. You took me to practice. And uh, I don't think I've ever said thank you. But I just see how you take care of my needs every day. And I want to just say, I see that. I appreciate that. Thank you. What would that do for you and your relationship with your kid? You're like, that would never happen. It'll never happen if you say it'll never happen. If you start making this part of your family rhythm, though, you might be surprised because people want this joy. They want this love in their life. And I want you to imagine your own life. At the end of next week, having received 21 genuine words of appreciation, gratitude, and affirmation, how is that going to fill your soul? What would that do for your relationship with your spouse if that became a normal rhythm and practice? How would that change... Uh, your life. How might that affect your relationship? I think it would be a more joyful relationship. In fact, I know it because I've done it and I've seen other people do it. So I want to encourage you to receive this gift God wants us to have, joy. And these practices will help us build that. Just like if you go to the gym and you start walking on a treadmill, guess what? A little bit every day and you're slowly going to be in a different place in your physical conditioning. You do this every day and I promise you, two months, three months, six months from now, you're going to be in a different place in your own joy and in your relationships because they go together. So we take that challenge. Do this for the next week. Gratitude memories and journaling and and then sharing that practice with someone else. But I want to give you an opportunity right now. I want to give myself an opportunity to come before God and say, Lord, I want these gifts you have for me. And if you're sitting there today and going, I've never even tasted these things. God wants you to taste them like you taste something you delight in. And he wants you to experience them. Because right now I want you to know something. When God sees you, he's looking at you, he's smiling at you, he's for you. And he wants you to just sit in that and receive that. And that we part of us receiving that is part of when we receive when we come to faith in Christ and we receive Him. We receive all those things he intended for us to have because receiving him means we said yes to the relationship with him because he won't force himself into our life. And so right now I want to give you an opportunity to invite joy in because you're inviting Jesus in and to fully receive him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just confess that my life is often joyless and I'm realizing that that's not your goal. And even though I may go to church sometimes or have heard some things spiritually, I've missed this part of your goal for my life that you you designed me, I'm made in your image and you designed me to live on the fuel of joy. You want me to have loving relationships. And that doesn't mean I'm some Pollyannish person who acts positive and like everything's fine when it's not. Lord, just even reading your word, I can have joy in my grief, joy in my sorrow, joy in my brokenness because um, I'm glad to be with other people who see me and hear me and don't leave me or forsake me when they get to know me. And Lord, you've promised never to leave me or forsake me. And so Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word. I want to receive your cleansing and forgiveness. Forgive me for my sins. Please come into my life and help me to follow you, Lord. Help me to receive your good gifts and understand. I want to understand, Lord, help me understand this relationship that uh, you have for me with you and help me understand, Lord, how to live out the kind of relationship you created me for with the people around me. I pray for just some um, real commitment, Lord. I um, I want to start practicing gratitude and building joy in my life. And uh, I want to start off being grateful to you. So I'm grateful, Lord, for the gift of my life. And I pray, Lord, you transform me and help me to be the person you created me to be. Lord, help me to have the relationships you created me to have. And I believe you for this. And I'm thankful for this. Thank you for your good gifts to me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed uh, and made a decision to start following Jesus, we would love to know about that and help you take your next steps. If you could message us, that would be great. And uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, online and uh, where possible in person. God bless.